Welcome to Radio KAL, the podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 42, released on June 25th, 2008. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is my good buddy, Neil Bailey. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Is it good to be back to the uh, summer, or to the, to the winter weather? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cold here, uh, compared to what we had, what... Uh, nearly 100 degree temperatures in uh, Fahrenheit over there for the metropolis. Yeah. Uh, it was it was at least uh, 8,000 degrees. <laughs> yeah, and for those uh, who uh, do their temperature by Celsius, like I do, it was uh, nearly 40 degrees, so it's pretty warm. Yeah, it was it was an oven. I'm still I'm still burnt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I was smart enough to put on some sun cream, so uh, yep. if you notice a few people who were uh, red raw, but. Um, it was a fantastic time. Just uh, really enjoyed it. It was just so cool to be able to uh, see the reaction that we got from people. I mean, not that you know you and I look for uh, celebrity status or anything like that, but just to be able to put faces to names or usernames and be able to chat with these people was uh, was just fantastic. It really felt like home. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I I, I, uh, I go to these conventions all around the United States, and I meet a few people that know what we do. You know, like, uh, maybe I'd say 5, 10, sometimes 20 at every convention, you know? And it's always like I get a couple of them to hang around with, and some of them will give me a place to stay sometimes, and it's really great. And then you go to Metropolis, and every other person knows who the heck you are because everybody loves Superman, and they know that we love Superman, and it's just, whoa, you know, right out of nowhere. And, um... It was just really, really cool, and I'm, I'm going to do. Uh, we've been just, me and Steve have been discussing this, but uh, I'm going to try and do something, some kind of organization, so folks from the Superman Home Cage can, page can band together as a bit of a group at the uh, Metropolis celebra- celebration. And since uh, Steve can't make it every year because of the uh, Gulf, maybe we can get a, a Superman press corps or something going on. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I mean, I'd get some people, uh, maybe some discounts from hotels if we can get packages or something like that. Uh, We'll endeavour to see what we can do with uh, the Baymont Inn over there, which is where we stayed, and which is a great hangout because uh, most people stay there from the cel- for the celebration, and uh, it's just be, you know cool to be able to wake up and have breakfast with the likes of Noel Neal and uh, and other you know uh, Superman fans who are just you know all there just to to talk about Superman. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean it was it was um, you know usually you just the, the idea is to get out of the hotel and the hotel kind of became a uh, hangout place almost as if we were on a family vacation if you will and like everybody was family. That was what's so great about it, you know. Yeah, what did you um, enjoy most about the celebration other than meeting oh, people? Gosh. I think it's it's actually just a really a, a small town feel, I guess. If like everybody knew each other, that was kind of nice. And and actually being respected as press, you know, like uh, people don't tend to like like we we are press quite obviously because we put a lot of time and effort and we get the readership of, of an average newspaper. But um, a lot of people don't tend to see things from online as press. But here, um, it was a very there was a very big point to give us access and let us take photos and know that we were actually doing our job as press and we were given a wide berth, and that was really nice. But I think mostly the best thing that uh, that, that I uh, got out of it was being able to do all the all the photos with people, and I actually have a have a, a, a whole bunch of photos that I'd want to combine into an album. There are memories there as opposed to like, okay, all right, I'm going out and doing my thing as the Superman homepage guy. It was like, oh, this is this is like, uh, it was like being with family, yeah. quite literally. I know I've said that again, but it's like being around a group of people that you feel like you've known forever, and that was just insanely cool for me. I haven't experienced that since a camp I used to go to a long time ago that got canceled, and uh, it's just, I, I loved it. I loved it. Excellent. Yeah, I'm the same. I uh, was there five years ago and met some great people then, and it was great to catch up with those people. But uh, this time around, just 
having such a large group of people with us and uh, talk to us and come up and, you know, like you and I would be standing there having a conversation and all of a sudden it'd be somebody, you know, you'd see out of the periphery of your vision just standing there to the edge waiting for you to, you know, finish your conversation and then you'd just turn to them and say, uh, yeah, hi, and they'd say, oh, are you Steve Eunice? And you go, yeah, and they go, oh, I love the website. And then all of a sudden you'd just made a new friend and you'd be hanging out with that person for the for the rest of the weekend and uh, that was so cool that no matter where we went, uh, you know, we had um, friends with us and people who were so cool to hang out with. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, people like Rob, who goes by the name of Red Hobbs on the website, and Jennifer, who was Lois Lane's uh, 73, and, and Mike Kay, and obviously Michael Bailey and uh, Scotty V as well from the, from the staff of the website, but just all these other people that you know from the website or you see their username and you know, you chat with them every now and then and just kind of have a have a bit of a chat. But, but you know, now you actually consider them to be uh, lifelong friends and, you know, it was really cool that there really wasn't anybody that uh, you came across that you didn't get along with. Uh, everybody there was just clicked. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it was so weird. You'd be walking down the street and you'd hear, Hey, Jonas! Oh, hey, Bailey! You know, it'd be Scotty V or it'd be Michael Bailey. You know, you'd be running into people you talked to for years that you never really, you know, in the, in the back of your head you thought you might beat them, but you never think you'd see them in person, and then bang, there they are right there, and you're, you're eating chicken wings, you know? It's just great. <laughs> yeah, not only that, uh, I've got to give a special mention to Scotty V. Man, what what a set of pipes that guy has! He sang the national anthem <laughs> there at the uh, yes. at the fan baseball game, and uh, I didn't realize who it was starting because to me it was a bit of a, an eye opener seeing uh, you guys sing the national anthem at just a you know a, a local park uh, for a you know fan game of baseball. I mean, we'll obviously sing it for a major national competition or something like that, but it was uh, it was kind of uh, strange for me, but it was kind of cool, but. Uh, then seeing who it was, seeing that it was Scotty V and the, and the set of pipes, like I said, that he had on him, he's got a great voice, and uh, yeah, well done, Scotty. Yeah, definitely, yeah, Scotty, oh, he he does a mean Palpatine, too, if you ever listen to my Star Wars serial, but uh, holy heck, it, it, the, the, the National Anthem, it's hard to describe, you see, but it's kind of, um, it, it, sometimes it can be a crazy jingoistic thing in America, but often it's a very, very good excuse for community to just kind of pause for a minute and think about where you live to a degree, and it's... Yeah. it's uh, I think that was one of the better ones that I've been to, honestly, because a lot of times it can be kind of, you know, people are like, all right, let's play the game. But it was this kind of moment. Everybody paused in the middle of this Superman celebration, which is this big, huge part of Americana. It's probably one of the most American things out there, Superman. And then all of these Superman people singing the national anthem together, it just was natural. It, it was weird. It made me very, very proud to be American, which is weird because usually I'm on the critical side. So it was it was, it was was beautiful, I thought. Good cool. job, Scotty. Yeah, well done, Scotty. And, uh... I'll have to teach you the Australian National Anthem so that uh, we can get that going next time. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, um, other than that, uh, obviously just hanging out in general, uh, you know, through the celebration, we uh, we did all the things that we had to do. We uh, we got to meet uh, and talk to, obviously, Noel Neal, who's a good friend. Uh, we got to interview uh, Ned Beatty, who obviously everyone knows as Otis in the Superman movies. Um, these videos will be coming up on the website soon. We're slowly progressing through our video diaries. Um, we didn't get to chat with Alison Mack, but there is a... I mean, we spoke to her off-camera, but uh, we didn't get a chance to interview her on-camera. Uh, there are some photos of her that I'll be putting up, and uh, we did get managed to get her autograph, but... Um, it's, it's my fault. It's my fault. I got that restraining order in 2002. I'm sorry, guys. It just happened. Yeah. I love her. No. I don't know why she doesn't love me back. There is an underlying theme there, which you'll see about Neil Bailey trying to get a date with Alison Mack. Uh, 
we've tried to do a competition at Tempin bowling for a date with Alison. Uh, Neil was, uh, you know, accosted by a Metropolis policeman. Um, yes. Superman himself uh, accosted Neil for uh, trying to approach Alison Mack. So there's an underlying theme there which you'll see throughout our reporting as the days go by with the video reports that we're doing, uh, that, we've pro that we've recorded during Metropolis. The... Um, it's uh, it's quite funny, so uh, wait and see. We're meant to be together, Steve. We're meant to be together. We can't be kept apart. It'll happen, Neil. It'll happen. <laughs> so uh, we'll be posting more videos, as I said, and you'll get to see uh, Neil Bailey uh, making a fool of himself. <laughs> That's about right. Okay, uh, speaking of Alison Mack, uh, during the Q&A session there at uh, the main tent at uh, the Metropolis Celebration, she did mention something that was quite interesting and it's been reported a few places but I guess we'll mention it here now uh, and that's the fact that uh, a fan asked the question of Alison of now that Al Goff and Miles Miller are no longer with Smallville for season 8 whether or not the no tights no flights rule would be lifted and uh, she revealed that the no flights no tights rule wasn't Al and Miles uh, rule it was actually Tom Welling's rule he's the one who put that in place he's the one who doesn't want the flying or or uh, you know being in the suit, so um, quite an interesting revelation there. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of had that. I, I've kind of seen that as a foregone conclusion. It seems to be a question most people ask me about Smallville. Is you know, like people who think that I know more than I know, which is generally about as much as everyone else. But they always say, hey, do you think he's going to get in the tights? Do you think he's actually going to fly in the end? And my answer has always been, unfortunately, no. I don't, I don't, I've never thought that he really would because of the fact that everyone I talk to who's anywhere remotely close to the thing says that uh, Tom doesn't want to get either typecast or Tom doesn't want to put on the flights and the tights. I don't know. I think what it is is it's, it's um, idealism. These people who have been watching the show like me since day one are sitting there thinking, oh, man, you know, I, I, I think it could turn around. And, and a lot of turning it around, turning it into a Superman show, would be actually leaning towards Superman, you know, because they dally so far away from Superman. So I'm not surprised. Um, I am disappointed still. I, I wish that they would lift the rule and give it a shot. Because worst case scenario, they got one goofy shot at the end of the show, but then the show's over anyway, so who gives a crap, you know? It's not like he's not going to be typecast as Superman after playing him for eight years. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got, no, we got no choice in the matter. Well, yeah, I just, I mean, we'd heard for many years, and we'd even said it ourselves, that Tom had it written into his contract that he didn't have to wear the Superman costume. But really, we'd never really heard 100% confirmation on that. I think it was probably bandied about a little bit, but... Now I guess yeah. it's uh, Alison Mack, you know, coming out and, and saying for sure that, you know, it's Tom who's the one who doesn't want to be in the suit flying. So, uh, well, that's, uh, you know, a bit of a disappointment, like you said. Yeah, and, and, and bearing in mind, too, that maybe she's wrong, too. Like, sometimes actors say things thinking that they know that it's true, and it's not. I've seen that happen a lot before, too. Like, yeah, um, for instance, I believe one of the questions, no slight against Alison Mack, but uh, one of the questions was asked if uh, Chloe had been in the comics, and, and she said that she thought that Chloe had, even though obviously she hasn't, but that's probably just because she's too busy to read the comics. But mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of information can be can caught up in the wash. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she had, they had bought the rights to it, and it had been written, but it just never was published, so uh, I guess that's right. where she probably got her wires crossed. But, uh, yeah, sure. obviously it could be, you know, uh, Alison just getting her wires crossed, but... Uh, you know, I thought it was just an interesting revelation nonetheless. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, uh, speaking of other filming things that are going on other than Smallville, uh, Brandon Routh has been in a few interviews lately speaking about uh, 
what's possibly going to be happening with the next Superman movie. He has been uh, quoted as saying that he thinks that they'll start filming uh, Man of Steel, I guess it's going to be called, in early 2009, and uh, speculation is that it would be released to or 2010. So, uh, yeah, interesting there. I don't know if that's just his timeline, uh, what he hopes will happen, or whether he's got some inside information on whether or not uh, Brian Singer will move forward with the script by then and uh, start filming in early 2009. Yeah, we were talking about that. Usually, you know, the internet rumors or the performance of other movies can feed off of this news and give people ideas one way or another. Um, I was noticing that the Incredible Hulk movie did really, really well, and it was a reboot, but there's no, you know, statement or rumors or bubbling to the, to the to the idea of a Superman reboot, which is what a lot of people... I don't know where the rumor came from. Maybe you know better than me, but uh, a lot of people who I talk to about Superman Returns have, uh, have been uh, eager to see or talking about a reboot, potentially, but I just don't see it happening, per se, even with Incredible Hulk's big... Uh, big draw, because um, the last one wasn't a horrible success, or, or a horrible failure, like uh, like everyone seems to make it out to be, but yeah, I think uh, they got to get going one way or another, it's like, like music, you know, you always wait four years for your favorite artist, four years between movies, no wonder people get so weary about this, it's because it takes so long, they don't keep the track going, I remember it used to be every two or three years, mm. um, when I was growing up for the series movies that we really enjoyed, and there wasn't any haggling, of, is Indiana Jones going to be the next Indiana Jones, should they reboot it, because it wasn't perfect for the fanboys. I think the internet plays, plays a large part in that, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. With the internet now, we've you know got uh, people putting up blogs and, and websites and things with uh, rumours and um, yeah, I mean, there was a rumour going around that, you know, Warner Brothers were looking at The Incredible Hulk to see how its numbers were, to see whether or not, you know, a Superman reboot was possible. Um, there's been no official word on that. I think it's just fan speculation from some of the naysayers who didn't like Superman Returns, didn't like Brian Singer's take, didn't like Brandon Routh, whatever the case may be. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, a bit of middle ground taken where the same cast and crew are, are in place, but uh, that we see a Superman movie that's uh, just a standalone great adventure story, action adventure that, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to tie into any other previous version. Uh, let's just see a, a great adventure that stands on its own and that people can warm to and, and be proud of. What we got to do is have uh, have the son actually uh, get sent away on a dream vacation like Lois Lane did in the middle of Superman 3. You know, <laughs> that way he could still be there, but he's just on vacation, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to do something like that. I don't want to see a Superboy <laughs> personally, but uh, anyway, let's uh, move along to some comic book discussions. Uh, I personally, because I've been away uh, and just gotten back this last week from America, haven't had a chance to read uh, the first three issues of Trinity. Uh, you have, obviously, because you've reviewed yes. them. Um, what's your take on it? Well, uh, I broke my heart, honest to God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here, I've been wailing on Busiek for his Superman run, despite the fact that he's been so kind to the website in terms of talking to everybody. So I wanted to give it a good review, and, and that, that first uh, issue was actually pretty darn good. I read it, and it was a defined a galaxy-spanning threat, and then and it uh, characterized the heroes pretty well. And then the second two issues, which you'll read, basically this big purple 90s-style villain called Convict comes in, and... Hmm basically just starts doing the same thing that Buziak did in um, 
in the Superman run, it take, essentially taking a, a Busiek creation and running with it and not paying really any attention to the heroes involved beyond lip service to their powers or what they're doing at a given time, which is unfortunate um, because, you know, the best stuff that Busiek was doing was when he had that philosophical angle with, uh, with, um, with Orion and all that, mm-hmm. but uh, it, that, that whole characterization angle seems to have been dropped entirely, and I, I know that they have a lot of space to fill, but it looks like... Uh, Four, five, and six. Uh, if you look at the covers, have them fighting the same guy, this big purple guy called Convict, um, through issue six. You know, and you're sitting there like, ah, God, you know, because he's a one-note villain. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did the same thing I did with Countdown. It didn't, it didn't hook me after three issues, even though the first issue was good. So I'm dropping it. I'm actually going to borrow it to review it. But uh, I do hope it gets better. I do. I. I want a good weekly series. I don't want these things to fail. But I have to call it as I see it. And so far. Trinity has just been kind of bad for the last two issues, so... Yeah, do, I don't we, know. Know, do we know for 100% that uh, Trinity is a 52-weekly series? That we don't know. Yeah, actually, that was me talking out of my butt. You're right there. I don't know that for sure. I just assumed it because it's the next weekly, yeah, so it could be an ongoing time. for all we know. Yeah. It, it seems kind of weird because they're focusing on things like uh, they got Green Lantern in there playing a big role, and they're focusing on a lot of side characters. It seems like... Uh, it's not really focusing on Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman for the whole time. It's just kind of weird. Hmm, strange. Speaking of the Superman comics, uh, Brainiac is back and, uh, uh, you know, is uh, kind of a, been rewritten. Uh, what's your yes. view on that? Well, I, um, I, I, gosh, how to describe this without breaking my embargo. I did an article um, that involved that, so I got to read a little bit ahead. But mm-hmm. um, so far, what we've seen has been insanely good, and what's coming looks very, very great according to the previews. That's where I'm deriving all of this information, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I have utter faith in Jeff Johns after reading that first issue. Um, and, and I think what he's trying to do is what Busiek and Johns together could not, which is take a Superman universe and make it coherent and make it move forward. Yeah. Sure, he's acknowledging that things have been messed up for the last couple of years, but he's trying to reassert it and set it on a proper footing. Now, if he can do this and create a series of family books, like he's talking about bringing in Supergirl and bringing in um, James Robinson, who I've been starting to read Starman, and it's been pretty darn good. So we'll see. Um, I think I think Brainiac's story is going to be pretty awesome, and I think it's going to start what could be a really, really great run. I'm very optimistic for once. Cool. Well, I was interested to see the first couple of pages of the uh, of the uh, issue with uh, Brainiac that uh, it kind of tied in a few different uh, takes on Brainiac, you know, from different uh, different versions of the character, you know, whether it be comic books or animated series or what have you, and uh, seems to have kind of tied them all into one. Yeah, and, and yeah, I can't comment, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it did a very good job of that, and and um, according to the previews, it will continue to do that. Okay, <laughs> interesting, all right, and uh, so you mentioned your article that you wrote for, that's uh, obviously in the Smallville magazine. Yes, yes, definitely, uh, the, actually, I just, uh, the one that's coming out right now is the All-Star Superman article, um, which covers a lot of issues of Pa's death and Pa's death in Smallville and compares them, and it's actually, I, I, I'm surprised, I'm, I'm, I'm getting away with a lot of philosophically oriented stuff and a lot of, um, kind of high, highbrow, uh, uh <laughs> 
East or West Coast liberal kind of stuff, or East Coast liberal, I don't know. But uh, that, that's a bad way to describe it. But it's like uh, I, I get to talk about concepts that uh, are kind of like the Smallville Review, where I can actually take an intellectual look at things and examine them as, as, as it uh, compares and contrasts to the comics versus the show, and it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> it's my first paid gig, but I mean, I'm just having fun, like if I were writing a Superman homepage article. It, it's, uh, it just came out last week, and I'm going to be putting up a little article about it probably around the same time or just a little before the time KAL is uh, put on the site. Cool. So uh, do you know what issue of the magazine your All-Star article is in? Um, I believe it's 27, actually. I'm going to reach down here live while we're talking, and yes, it's 27. Small okay. issue 27. It's in the very back. They, uh, they got me bookending the uh, All-Star Superman ad, and it's just really, really cool. They always give me great art. I'm just blown away by it. Excellent. Well, uh, everyone listening to this uh, episode, look out for Smallville Magazine issue 27, did you say? Yes, issue 27, definitely. Issue 27. Buy it, buy it! On sale now, it has a Neil Bailey article. I believe that's your third article, Neil? Uh, actually, it's my fourth Smallville oh. article. Yeah, actually, but the uh, the first one was a short story. So four, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one short story and then three uh, nonfiction, and I do have some forthcoming even though I can't talk about them. But yeah, buy it and write it and tell them you want to see more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, uh, let's get into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Yes, big question. This this week we got. Uh, you want me to ask a question right off, or well, we got? Uh, oh no, we got last week, last month. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm every a little month, Every month you jump the gun. All right, last. Yes, month. well, it's because I was so excited about talking about myself because myself is my favorite. No, um, okay. So we asked what uh, what Doomsday uh, being introduced in Smallville. Uh, what impression that gave folks? And uh, these these were written when we believed uh, Davis Bloom, aka Doomsday, would be a bartender, which has changed, he's now a paramedic, so... Yeah, so uh, uh, keep that in mind when uh, when we read out these uh, entries that people sent in for to answer that big question, that uh, most of us thought at that stage that uh, Doomsday, or uh, Davis Bloom, was a bartender in Metropolis, and we've now since found out that he's a paramedic, as Neil said. So, Neil, you want to read the first one out? Sure, definitely. I wonder if he's going to be a hunky paramedic, though. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Okay, Eddie Colton wrote, Am I really supposed to believe there's a vocal cult of Doomsday fans who who object to how he'll be adapted for a teen drama? Doomsday was a Hulk analog created for the sole purpose of killing Superman. So if he's now even more derivative of Hulk and being used primarily to antagonize Clark Kent and Metropolis, I'm almost tempted to say the producers of Smallville are finally doing something right. If you're going to flesh out Doomsday, you might as well use Hulk's basis character, as Doomsday's official backstory is a ridiculous convoluted mess. They could have made Conduit or some other less popular villain into a Metropolis bartender, but the producers would have heard the name Doomsday much more easily without all that pesky research it takes to have a good, uncontroversial ideas. In the end, it's not the adaptation that matters, it's how well the character is written and subsequently acted. The chances are they will take the wrong approach and ruin something which could have worked in their favor. I do agree, um, Eddie, that it's basically how the character is written and subsequently acted, but I don't agree that Doomsday was kind of a dumb analog created for the purpose of killing Superman. You know, mostly because if he had just killed Superman and disappeared, but he, he had he had some legs as a character. I loved his origin. Maybe you disagree, Steve. No, I, uh, you know, I, I see the, the uh, analogy with, uh, you know, connecting the Hulk with uh, Doomsday, but I, I think he's a different character, and I don't think he was, the, you know, just a, a Hulk ripoff. So uh, I, I enjoyed Doomsday. Um, I mean, that's the, the story that got me into Superman, really. Um, so... I have no problem with uh, with Doomsday as a character, I, but I do have a problem with the way they're adapting him into Smallville. But uh, let's continue on. Uh, Andrew Maitland wrote, uh, Doomsday on Smallville, to put it delicately, is a terrible idea. 
I do think that having Doomsday on Smallville could work if done properly, but it would have to be some sort of alien and not look like a human at all, and that's not going to happen. Who knows? They, they might. Mm. I, hope, I hope they do. You know, they, they, I'll give it a fair shot. I honestly, God will. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Rob wrote, Ace of Clubs bartender, does this mean Doomsday will learn the ropes under Bibbo? Bibbo in Smallville? Wahaha, <laughs> Neil said as an aside. Bibbo will probably be extremely hot as well. <laughs> That's just, okay, I gotta pause right there because I gotta vomit into my trash can. Anyway, uh, if Doomsday is a Jekyll Hyde character, then in this continuity he is basically the second coming of Byron, the lame poet from season two. Good point. While they're at it, why not make Darkseid a fashion expert searching for the anti-weight equation for his modeling agency? <laughs> it makes no sense to introduce popular characters and not respect what makes them what they are. Too true. Good job, Rob. Good job, Rob. Exactly. Well, Jim Bennett says, introducing Doomsday as a bartender character is a terrible idea. The fact that all the characters that appear later in the Superman mythos are already in Smallville can be forgiven due to the fact that they're done well. But this is Doomsday. You know, that giant monster that destroyed Metropolis on its way to killing Earth's greatest hero, and we're now supposed to believe that some bartender could be Superman's ultimate downfall. They should make him Metallo at that, as that at least could be believable. Yeah, good point. Yeah, well, Metallo, be, there's no, you know, like, if they're going to bring Lois in, they could bring Metallo. Doomsday's kind of like an end point. I don't know. Yeah. David Landon wrote, The addition of Doomsday as a hunky metropolis bartender is just another example of the kind of focus-grouped, clueless decisions that television execs often make. No use getting seen about it. That's how the business works. However, I'm wondering how well a character like Doomsday will be realized within the show's reduced budget. Having the hunky bartender character hulk out into something like Doomsday we know will be rather expensive to do well. Not only that, but having him go on a destructive rampage and then fight an epic battle with Clark, which is what everyone really wants to see with Doomsday, would absolutely break the show's budget. I'm sure the show's writers absolutely want to fulfill their fans' expectations of what Doomsday should be, but I don't see how the budget will let them. Yeah, that's... That's a big criticism from day one of the show, even when they had a huge budget, was that the fights Clark had with other superpowered characters were not as big. The only one that kind of lived up was Zod, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, even the Titan one uh, was, uh, you know... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Calvin Bowes wrote, This is the sort of garbage that made me stop watching Smallville to begin with. Making an awesome character like Doomsday into a hunky guy so that he only appeals to female hormones is just plain stupid. The only way they will get me to watch this show again is if they announce that this is the last season and it ends with him becoming Superman, something I believe they have no intention of doing. I would rather see no Superman show than a bad Superman show. That's strong words from Calvin. Yeah, I just saw a, a, a whole group of female hormones sitting on a couch going, Oh, he's so dreamy! But anyway, okay. Well, it's interesting because they're... Uh, they're trying to appeal to that, what they think oh, is yeah. the target audience of females. Yes, so yes. Scary stuff. Well, you got a lot of passive-aggressive drama in there for that kind of thing, but yeah. I don't know. Carrie Pierce wrote, I understand the writers of Smallville feel they need to pander to us fans, but if they're going to pander, they should really pander to us. Anything else is an insult. Having Doomsday as a hunky bartender is a big insult. There are so many other ways to have a character that can physically challenge Clark Kent in the context of the show, Meteor Freak, Still meet the need to excite excite the teeny bopper fans and not insult us. Doomsday done this way really is a huge disappointment. Yeah, well, it seems that most people don't like the uh, way that Smallville is bringing in Doomsday, whether he be a bartender or a paramedic or hunky, whatever he is, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how they do it. And <laughs> we've all had our say now, and it's up to the Smallville creators to uh, make us eat our words, I guess. Yeah, I hope so. You know, maybe he'll get in a romance with Tess Mache. <laughs> you know, yeah. Tess Ma what was it, Tess Maker? Or uh, they, they like, like made it really close when they released her last name. But anyway, the new big question. 
is, who was your favorite person to have portrayed Lois Lane and why? Yep, so uh, if you want to get involved in the big question segment of the show, send your entry in by clicking on the big question button found at the Radio KAL webpage at the Superman homepage website, and we'll read out the entries sent in. And don't forget, forget you could also send in a recording as an MP3 file, which we could uh, play on the next Radio KAL podcast. So get your entry in. Let us know who is your favourite person to have portrayed Lois Lane and why. The war begins. Respect. Power. Control. Destruction. Order. Chaos. Infighting breaks out among the heroes. I have serious issues to deal with. You had to go mope. I understand. You're just angry I infringed upon your trademark. The point is, you should have never sent them there, Bruce. They could have been killed. I made a mistake, okay? Is that what you want? An old villain contemplates his fate. What are you doing out here? Reevaluating my change of careers. What are you talking about? I don't think I can do this. Examples are made. You didn't actually think that your little parlor trick would work on me, did you? Well, I... Perhaps you've forgotten who I am. And Darkseid's endgame is revealed. They will not allow her to be taken freely. They are headed here, and she will be among their ranks. Then it is war. I will not be denied. Vindicatum continues in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton. Issue 42, on June 25th, 2008. Only at PendantAudio.com. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite time. All right, what you got this year? Or this this year, this month. <laughs> oh, cut, oh, cut. No, well, you're, you're, well, you're jumping the gun. Now you're jumping us to a yearly <laughs> show. Wow. Now I'm jumping the year. Yeah. Well, uh, last month's sound came from the season five episode titled Aqua, uh, the Aquaman episode. And there are only three winners, uh, three people who guessed it right. And they were Brandon Wigginton, Jim Bennett, and Angie Campbell. Congrats, guys. Yeah, well done to our three... Uh, contestants there who guessed the super secret soundbite. Now let's see if you can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from. I was moving and everything else was frozen. So if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound comes from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Radio KL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next episode of Radio KAL. Superman song time. Hey, hey, all right, now it's time. All right, what you got this month, Steve? <laughs> well, uh, this month we've got an Eric Clapton song called Superman Inside. Awesome, sounds cool. Eric Clapton, that's like Forever Mac, Forever Mac, Forever Allison Mac. No, wait, that's horrible. I should never sing again. <laughs> Yeah. 
and that's the show for another month, or if Neil would have it, another year. Yes, another year. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, no if, uh, if you have a, uh, a suggestion for the show, if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, maybe there's a big question uh, that you'd like us to ask and pose to the fandom, you can uh, let us know by clicking on the feedback form, uh, the KAL feedback button at the Radio KAL webpage, and we'll endeavour to use your suggestion in a future Radio KAL podcast. But that's the show for this month. Uh, thank you, Neil. Hey, no problem. You stay classy, Metropolis, Illinois. I'm coming back as a hot paramedic. <laughs> You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. Thank <laughs> you.